to the Niners Nation podcast, and we are once again back here, only one week closer to the NFL season, one week closer to Julio Jones maybe being a 49er. Niner Nate with you as always, and with me here as always is my good friend Leo Luna of 49ersGoldMine.com. How are you doing, man? I kind of always want to say a little something different than good, um, because then I just think it gets a little repetitive if I'm just like, I'm feeling good, I'm feeling good, I'm feeling good. Uh, But... Honestly, that's kind of where I'm at. The Maverick, my basketball team is the Mavericks. They beat the Clippers. I'm, I'm sure a lot of you that listen don't like the Clippers, so at least we align the same there. Um, and then I'm also a little sad because the Giants didn't even win one freaking game this weekend. Uh, I, I guess sad isn't the word. I'll just say down bad because my baseball team got swept by the Dodgers, which is probably the baseball team I dislike the most. Um, so I'm in between, I'm, you know, just riding the wave and, and seeing where this week takes me. And especially with the Julio Jones saga, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing all the photoshops of the 30 other teams since he is essentially eliminated too. And I, I know this isn't a Warriors podcast, but I think every Warriors fan is with you and rooting for the Mavericks because the sooner the Clippers are gone, the sooner Kawhi wants out and the sooner we can give them the Superman. But we have a guest this week. It is Luke of the Blow the Whistle podcast. How you doing, man? I see you're drinking something over there. Uh, I'm doing great. I am drinking a mango White Claw. I like to keep things <laughs> a little light up in here. But, uh, yeah, it's a great time, man. Love it. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, totally. Welcome to the show. I'm, I'm rocking uh, rocking a nice hazy IPA here from the There Does Not Exist Brewery up in uh, San Luis Obispo. Leo, you got yourself a drink for the show here? Yeah, I'm actually drinking the the same one as you are, um, you know, so we'll just, you know, cheers it off and, and let's talk some Niners, baby. Cheers it off. Let's talk some Niners. There's a lot going on uh, for being an offseason. It's actually been pretty interesting. This uh, Julio Jones news. I, I, today he went on to, I think it's called, uh, what is the Skip Bayless uh, uh, Shannon Sharp call? So is it Undisputed. Like- Undisputed. Undisputed, yeah. One of, the, one of those crazy one-word name shows. And uh, I guess Shannon knows Julio pretty well because he called him. And he asked him, hey, are you going to be playing for the Falcons? And he said, I'm out of here. And so I think Niners world kind of went a little crazy. It's like, well, if he's out of there and Kyle's familiar with him, like, is there any chance that Julio Jones could come to the 49ers? I think that <laughs> it felt like after the draft, I think I tweeted it out as a joke. I was like, hey, Go get me Julio Jones. You didn't draft a wide receiver. But now, like, there's totally a chance that maybe Julio Jones could be a 49er. What do you think of this, Luke? Uh, Personally, let me just say, all right, I hear people talking all the time, like, ever since this came out. And they're like, oh, wow, like, I wonder if he knew he was live on air. Of course he knew he was live on air. (laughs) That is a professional television show. Legal, every single segment of that is scripted, first of all, obviously, and set up. Legal is not going to be like, oh, yeah, totally. Call Julio and ask him about his future, whether or not he knows he's live, which is hella illegal in California if they did that. So he definitely (laughs) knew he was live on air. Stop playing. Uh, But I'm all in on taking Julio if they can get him, honestly. Like, let's be real. What's the one wide receiver that we've heard Kyle Shanahan talk about over and over in his Niners tenure? Like, I remember he had a quote a couple years ago that legitimately said, if you can find a Julio Jones-type player, you go out there and get him. But that's not easy to find. And granted, Julio was not what he was a couple years ago. Injuries have hampered him a little bit. But he's still one of the best wide receivers in this league if he's healthy. And he's 
really could provide like the foundational piece to give the 49ers quarterback, whoever it is, Trey Lance, Jim Garoppolo, whatever, an elite pass catching core with Julio, Ayuk, Debo Samuel, not to mention George Kittle. So I'm all in on it. I'm with it. I don't think it would make much sense uh, if you were out on Julio Jones. I feel like you got to be that old man screaming at a cloud or just that one guy talking to a brick wall if you're trying to say, yeah, Julio Jones shouldn't at least be looked into. And it's not just, say, 49ers Twitter or the 49ers fan base because uh, you have also all those Facebook pages that are just completely wild, Instagram pages that are completely wild. Um, it's also national media. Everybody wants to link Kyle Shanahan and Julio Jones together. Julio Jones said he wants to play for a winner. Yeah, the 49ers didn't make the playoffs last year, but like we've been saying for a while on this show, they're a top five roster, and granted, if there was a different quarterback leading those games, even if it was Jimmy Garoppolo leading those games, they probably get to eight and eight, and they're in the playoffs. So the 49ers will line up in that way, whether it's a reality, there's just way too much crap beyond the scenes. I'm going to leave those odds for Las Vegas because that's what they do. That's not what I do. I don't create these betting odds. Um, but looking at it, like the big thing is, say, health with Julio Jones. I think it relates similar to Matthew Stafford because Matthew Stafford, a lot of it was health, yet Julio Jones missed not too many games. Looking back at 2020, he missed about seven. Granted, that's a bulk. But before that, one, zero, zero, two, zero, one. So over the past, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years, nine years, if you include last year, the guys missed around 10 games in nine years. So I don't think the, the injury bug is, is that much or potentially you like to hope. It, it's really hard to say considering what the 49ers have faced injury-wise. It's pretty ridiculous. But you would like to hope if he has Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle as his receiving mates, it's going to take off a whole lot of stress on Julio Jones to where he maybe he's not in the same situation as he is in Atlanta and that's probably why he's asking for a trade request here. He wants to be out of that situation. Um, like I said, I don't know if this is kind of a reality thing, but it is absolutely a, a probable chance kind of like Odell. I'm not going to say oh, Julio's going to the 49ers until it actually happens because man, I seen about four straight years of Odell and that never happened. And, and I was down bad for Odell OBJ. I wanted him in the Bay. I still want OBJ in the Bay, but I'll sell. I mean, I'll settle for Julio. I think he's even better. But so we're thinking about this, you know, hypothetical scenario that Julio Jones would come to San Francisco. The Niners have no first round picks. What do you think it would cost to go get Julio Jones on this team? And are there players that you're willing to move off of? So for me, I mean, Someone asked me if I would move Debo. I don't really want to move Debo because he's a cheap wide receiver, but I'd be down moving Raheem Mostert or, you know, someone along those lines, uh, like someone who's already under a contract and then maybe like a second or a third or, you know, if it even comes down to it, a second and a fourth for, for Julio Jones. I just don't think that they're going to get a first. I think that there's fans who will talk about how, 
oh, I give a first for Julio Jones. But I don't think there's a team that would give a first for Julio Jones. I just don't see a scenario where someone's like 32-year-old guy who's been hurt a lot, first-round pick. I just don't see it happening. And it's, you know, when you have a, just the, the thinking back about the Shannon Sharp skip Bayless, whether or not it was staged or not, which it probably was. But even then, if it wasn't staged, someone – if it, seeing a guy be that obvious about the fact that he wants out makes me think as an NFL team, I'm like, well, sweet. I don't have to give a first-round pick for this guy because he's not going to be there anyway. So I just have to find a way to lowball, but not lowball as much as the rest of the NFL teams. So what are you thinking it would cost for Julio Leo? Um, I, I think PFF is kind of the general landscape where you're going to start it off. Uh, they've been right on what the landscape has been on, on previous trades. And that what they're putting out there is a, a second and a third and, and a sixth as well. So that seems to be their landscape. I think maybe a second and a fourth could get that done. And you say two, you know, one pick to where you're giving up two instead of three. Uh, second and a four probably gets it done for Julio. Uh, it's going to get tricky for the 49ers because the elephant in the room, they have two future firsts invested in Trey Lance. How I look at it is if you're investing that much into Trey Lance, why don't you get him an arsenal, Get put him in a position where this guy's only going to succeed rather than say, hey, we're going to go with what we got now just because we spent this money on it. No, you go you go all in. The kid's on a rookie contract, and that's when you take advantage of rookie contracts by just giving them an arsenal to where even if they make the wrong – say if Trey Lance makes the wrong read and still throws it to Julio Jones. Julio Jones, what we've seen over his career, he's either A, going to catch the ball, or B, play DB and not let an interception happen. So I, I think he can help Trey Lance's confidence and, and it'll let Trey Lance grow and and his mentality. I, the reason why I say Trey Lance and not Jimmy Garoppolo for the people wondering is because if you make this move for Julio Jones, Jimmy Garoppolo cannot be on this roster just because financially it does not line up that way. My biggest thing is like we talk a lot about the value of picks and I think that picks are often overvalued when it comes to players. Like, you give up a second and a fourth for Julio Jones. People go, well, you can't give up a second. Look at the wide receivers you can draft. They could even end up being a Julio Jones. Well, why not just get Julio Jones? <laughs> just get Julio Jones instead of taking a chance on it. So I'm I'm all in on that move. Like, I know that's a lot to give up. But also, you have to assume that unless they're cutting Jimmy Garoppolo, that they're getting at least some sort of compensation for Jimmy G. Maybe it's just a fourth, whatever. And then it's like, okay, I'm essentially giving up a second for Julio Jones, whatever. But here's my thing. If you give Trey Lance, Julio Jones, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, like we talked about, in addition to having the run game that you have, and he still fails and he he still can't be a competent quarterback, well, then you're screwed anyways. Because if he can't win, and I'm not talking about win a Super Bowl rookie year, but if he can't be a successful, competent quarterback with all that talent on the roster, will he anyways? Probably not. So I'm with you, Leo. Give him an arsenal. Give him the best position he can be in and see what he ends up being. Like, 
you know, we've talked about it before how the 49ers are probably the, they were the best spot that any rookie quarterback could go. They're one of the best landing spots that any rookie quarterback has ended up in in like the last, I don't know what decade probably, other than maybe the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes. So it's like, give him as much talent as he can. This is not a one year rental for Julio. That's the other thing. It's, it's not like you, you know, trade for Julio when he's off the team next year. No, he's under contract still. So if Trey Lance needs a year to grow, figure out some, you know, some issues, whatever, his first year, then his second year, you still have all that talent on the team, and he's more familiar with them. Like, I get that it's a lot to give up, but also, like, it's not that much when you think about the fact that you're putting your rookie quarterback in the absolute best position to win. And And just real quick, I, I know you touched on Raheem Mostert, Nate. If we're talking about a second and a four here, what's Raheem Mostert's trade value? Personally, I probably wouldn't put it at a four. So then it's like, why would the Falcons take less to have a second in Raheem Mostert? They'll probably still take a second and a fourth. They don't need that 29-year-old running back. They're not going to compete for the South. They're probably not even competing for a wild card spot. They don't need that 29-year-old. Raheem Mostert's not that missing piece for them. Granted, I really like him a lot on my team. I just don't know what he does for the Falcons. And then I've seen the the Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. We're talking about a second and a four market for Julio Jones. Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk's market is a first. 49ers have absolutely no reason why they should have to give up those wide receivers to get a Julio Jones. It, it just doesn't make sense. So I think that's the market. Whether they add a little, another player in there for seasoning, we'll see. Well, first off, they got to agree to terms but i don't think they have to make add a player into this the only way they do is to you know maybe not give up a second but to not give up a second i don't think that player has to be debo samuel or brandon Ayuk. and 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 to add on what you said i think that 49 fans actually do have a reason to be optimistic and excited about this like kyle shanahan knows how good julio jones is better than most of these coaches in the league do and so you know to that degree when people say oh, well, Jalen Hurd could be Julio Jones. Like you, you, you just said, Luke, like, you know, people believed Jalen Hurd was Julio Jones. Well, we haven't seen Jalen Hurd playing an NFL football game ever. And so, like, yeah, I'm excited. Maybe he's going to play this year with Trey Lance or with Jimmy Garoppolo or whoever ends up being the quarterback. But I haven't seen it. So why would I count on this potential when I have a football team that is now – there's now a clock that's ticking, right? This idea of the rookie quarterback clock. We have started a clock now. It is a five-year window where you have to win the Super Bowl. It doesn't have to happen this year. It doesn't have to happen next year. But in the next five years, for Kyle Shanahan to be what me and Leo have talked about on this show a lot, one of the greatest 49er head coaches in the history of of the team, which I do think he is, even though he hasn't won a Super Bowl, he's taken the team to a Super Bowl. To win one, that's what he needs. In the next five years, it has to happen. Well, who's going to give you a better chance of winning now? Is it going to be... Jalen Hurd and hoping that maybe he could make a comeback? Or is it going to be spending more of your draft capital that you know probably isn't going to net you anything super crazy in the next I, – I mean, sometimes it happens in the second and fifth and fourth rounds. You get a, guy, a crazy guy, but you don't have a first-round pick for the next three years or the next two years, I'm sorry. And so I would rather spend the draft capital, go get Julio Jones, and add on to what makes my team great add on to what makes my team terrifying 
You know, the, the goal of the 49ers has to be for Trey Lance to have the most successful rookie contract of all time. Like, that has to be the ultimate goal right now. And if that requires, you know, getting rid of Jimmy Garoppolo and bringing Julio Jones in and putting that money towards Julio Jones, I think that's smart too. What do you guys think, Luke? I mean, absolutely. And I, I won't delve too deep into the Jimmy Garoppolo argument because I, along with hopefully every 49ers fan in the universe, <laughs> am very tired of talking about it. But ultimately, it's like the, the thing I hear a lot is like, well, Jimmy could start until at least the bye week or something like that. You know, and it's like, okay, great. But if you have the opportunity to get a Julio Jones, you need to trade Jimmy or cut Jimmy to get that done. Why refuse to make that trade so that you can have Jimmy Garoppolo start for six weeks or even start for a whole season just to kind of get that done? Like, you're right. The clock is ticking. John Lynch knows it. Kyle Shanahan knows it. Jed York knows it. Not to mention the fact that if they can't succeed with this front office and coaching staff, like, who are they really going to be able to succeed with? At a certain point, you'd have to move on just because you can't keep giving extensions to head coaches and GMs that just haven't won anything in a decade. But, like, you do what you can to make your team a juggernaut. And at a certain point, like, if they have Julio Jones, they give up in a second a second and a fourth. Like, okay, that second pick is hopefully going to be within the late 50s to early 60s range. So that's not a ton of draft capital that you're talking about. I'm just very much with the fact that if people, okay, the natural way to act as a human being is loss aversion. You'll do whatever you can to avoid taking an L. So people are are scared of making this trade because there's a chance that you could lose out on a really great player in the draft. Or there's a chance that Julio Jones doesn't come back 100%. But loss aversion is not the correct way to win Super Bowls. You can't just be so risk-averse that you don't actually make the big play. Like, imagine if, you know, Kansas City hadn't decided to go get Patrick Mahomes because they were too risk-averse. And they said, oh, well, we, you know, he has question marks. You know, or, ah, oh, we don't want to, we don't want to give up that much capital to get a quarterback that we don't know he's going to be the thing. Then they wouldn't be, you know, in the Super Bowl two years in a row and champs two years ago. You have to take some risks. And I think that there was an interesting article that came out on 49ers Twitter. I think it was from, um, I think it was 49ers Hive. One of those guys posted something, and it's that Kyle Shanahan has changed the way he looks at things. You know, I think that people believe that he was pretty risk-averse for a really long time, right? Completely believe that he was going to go get Mac freaking Jones, who has nothing but, you know, accuracy. No, no, no extra talent, no ability to run, no nothing. And when Kyle traded up, People still then believed he was going to go get someone who was, you know, the not the the best guy on the board. And when he took Trey Lance, I feel like it kind of changed something in the way the 49ers are done and the way that the 49ers have uh, evolved and become more diff- more risk averse in that or less risk averse. I'm sorry in that way, where I think that they would be willing to trade these picks to go get an all star wide receiver for your new rookie quarterback. And I think that. The 49ers understand more than anybody. Sometimes you got to take risks. And now that you're in this window, this is the time to take risks. Try things. Try any way you can to get to the Super Bowl. The window is going to close so fast. These next five years are going to go faster than anybody experience, expects them to because if they don't make the moves and they don't make it to the Super Bowl, and Trey Lance is great, but he didn't make the Super Bowl, 
we're still going to be paying this guy $400 million or some crazy amount of number for the next couple of years. And it's going to hurt your roster, your roster consumption, just like, you know, the chiefs are seeing now. Yeah, sure. It's the Kansas City chiefs. They're probably still going to be good because Mahomes is there, but that roster isn't as good as it was the year they went to the Super Bowl against the 49ers. Well, like Eric Crocker said as well, like this team hasn't won a Super Bowl over the past 25 years. And to say, oh, Trey Lance lessens our Super Bowl odds. Well, shit. Excuse me, Rob. It uh, they didn't go to the to the playoffs last year. They made the playoffs once out of Shanahan's four years. Like, let's let's lower the bar a bit and stop saying Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Like, we all want to get there. I want to see the 49ers win the Super Bowl every single year for the rest of my life. But that's not really a reality of the situation or the reality of the game. Although I hope it does become one don't get me wrong but like let's look at the previous second round picks before this year's draft because you know Aaron Aaron Banks hasn't even suited up yet for an NFL game so before that Dante Pettis in 2018 Debo Samuel in 2019 I'm only saying Shanahan era here Shanahan and Lynch era that's a 50% say team rate success 50% obviously D or Dante is somewhere else. And then with Debo Samuel, he's he's an absolute absolute stud. Fourth round picks. Joe Williams didn't make it with the Bad. team. Contavious Street, like uh, unless yeah. he just has he a resurrection. I don't I don't think you could call that a success. Mitch Wisnowski, like I have no issue with him as a punter, but he's a punter. So <laughs> You know, they have three picks under their era at the fourth round. Now you in total, you know, put those five picks together. You hit on one of them, which is Debo Samuel. That's a 20% success rate. Uh, well, that's good, I guess, when you, you know, when you collectively say 20% success through the NFL draft. But we're talking about a 20% success rate is going to keep you from stopping to acquire Julio Jones. No, because Julio Jones is going to give you a 100% success rate in those three years left on his contract. You're not worried about 20%. That's kind of one of the things that I wanted to ask. Like, what has to happen to make the Julio Jones trade an L? It would have to be an absolute worst-case scenario, right? Like, he he basically never plays for the team. Mm -hmm. He gets injured, you know, a couple Mm -hmm. games in, and then he just never comes back. That's the that's the only way it could be a bad trade, essentially. Yeah. Obviously, there's a chance of that happening. I would put that chance at less than 20%, though. Like, I, you know, if you're comparing odds, I, I'm betting on Julio. I'm betting on the guy who's done it for a decade. You know, and like you said, Nate, earlier, like, it's not him against the world. It's not Julio against the world. And you're hopefully going to have a better quarterback than Matt Ryan, and you're certainly going to have a, a better receiving core than he has right now. You know, him and Calvin Ridley and then a bunch of guys that nobody knows or remembers. Like Russell Gage. Russell Gage. Like you're you're putting Julio in a better situation to be able to take some pressure off of him, and you're getting a known commodity. Known commodity is the name of the game. Is it a 100% guarantee that it'll be a great trade for this team? No. But again, the chance that it's a bad trade is minuscule because of the outlandish circumstances that have to happen for it to not work out. 
you can say, oh, well, it's not a good trade unless they win a Super Bowl. Okay, well, this entire Shanahan-Lynch era, you could say, is wasted unless they win a Super Bowl. Like Leo yep. said, guess what? Then they've wasted the last 25 years. So who cares? Put yourself in the best spot to win. That's not with unknown commodities in the second and fourth round next year. It's with Julio Jones. Absolutely. And that, it just it makes too much sense for Kyle Shanahan not to have Julio Jones with him again. Um, let's go to a break real quick, and then we're going to come back. We're going to play a fun game. I'm going to have you guys pick your – we're each going to pick one, okay? So you're each going to pick one. Your, your, what you think is the best group on offense or defense and what you think is the worst group on offense or defense. All right? We'll come back for the break. We'll do that. All right, we're back. And let's have some fun. You know, this 21, 2021 season is pretty much all about, you know, seeing what this team has because I don't think, unless you're 9 and 8, that your expectation is Super Bowl. I think a lot of people are thinking, you know, this is going to probably be a playoff team and just make the playoffs. You know, me being overly hyped and being the conductor of this hype train, uh, I think we're going to go to the Super Bowl and I think we're going to win this year. But that's besides the point. Let's talk about what we think are the best position groups and what are the worst position groups as we go into this 2021 season with the roster as it is constructed right now. So no Julio Jones on this team yet and just the draft picks that they've signed. We're going to start with you, Luke. We're going to do, we're going to do the best first. We'll save the worst for last. So you're going to get the pick of the whole litter. What do you think is the best position group, period? So anything, any part of this team is the best, and then tell me why, you know, with the roster consumption, construction, not consumption, construction, the as it is right now. Ooh, all right. Um, I'm going to go defensive line. I'm going to go defensive line because, yes, it is a question mark. And no, they don't have to force Buckner anymore. But if healthy, which is obviously the biggest if, then they have the potential to be the best position group. You have Nick Bosa coming back who's one of the best edge defenders in all of football, that allows the rest of the defensive line to kind of get back to the position that they were in 2019 when they were so dominant. I mean, I, I guess I have a question for you guys. Do you think D Ford is ever going to play snap for this football team or Absolutely. in the NFL again? Absolutely. Okay. If they have D Ford then, then you got D Ford and Nick Bosa, which was, I don't know, one of the most dominant, you know, edge rushing duos that we've seen in a very long time mm-hmm. in this league. You have Javon Kinlaw, who I think is going to make a second-year jump. You have Eric Armstead, who, again, if he's not being forced to play defensive end with kind of, you know, just like filler spots in the rest of the line like he did last year or he did in previous years, we've seen how talented he can be. And and, and then you got, you know, talented guys. It, it, it's not like it was in years past where you just had players who were going to be out of the league or, or, you know, guys signed from the practice squad filling out your roster. So I think because of the potential and because of the heights that they can reach, I'm going defensive line for my strongest pick in there. They are the biggest known commodity to me so far. Obviously, wide receiver is great uh, in some spots. We believe in Debo Samuel. We believe in Brandon Ayuk, but they're thin afterwards. Running back. You know, only two of the four are really known. So I'm going to go with the defensive line because I think they have potentially the best defender in all of football. I totally agree with you. I just think that what they've done this offseason to not only the fact that the starters are some of the best defensive line starters in the NFL, I think there's an argument for that, but the guys behind them, the Maurice Hurst signing specifically is so huge because, you know, I don't know why Oakland cut him. He's actually really good. 
And so, like, and then you look at Kinlaw, who should have that next step up, and then DJ Jones behind him. So it's like you have talent, and then you have more talent behind you. Like, it's just, and then we talk about the D Ford thing. I think he's going to play. And we talk about, like, how do you lose a trade? Well, yeah, he didn't, he missed last season, but when he played the year they went to the Super Bowl, he was dynamic. He was amazing. He was destroyed people, right? And so if he comes back and you have him and you have Samson Ebucam, Ebucam, uh, it's just there's talent after talent after talent after talent. The defensive line is the number one draft pick in this draft for sure. If we were drafting position groups, the number one pick should be the defensive line. The 49ers defensive line should be the reason that they get to the quarterback more and that the defense still sees some success uh, in this coming year. Leo, where are you going for your favorite position group? You cannot use defensive line. That's fine. I'm going to go ahead and go offensive line. Boom. We're going to go ahead. Left tackle, Trent Williams. Left guard, Tomlinson. Center, Alex Smack. Right guard, I'm going to say Aaron Banks. And right tackle, Mike McGlinchey. Now, Mike McGlinchey may not be the one you highlight in pass protection especially when the game's on the line. You're not going to highlight him. But he's probably the best or one of the best right tackles in terms of run blocking in the game. That fits the 49ers' DNA very, very well in what they like to do. He also looked like he gained some weight this offseason, which you would assume that it's going to help him out to you know gain more leverage in pass protection rather than being pushed aside like a tight end in pass protection because of his weight uh Aaron Banks oh my god I believe he's an upgrade that right guard position so much compared to having Tom Compton out there like we're talking about Tom (laughs) Compton making the original 53 man roster and starting games for the 49ers last year we're talking about Daniel Brunskill not having a home having to learn the guard position and then jump to go learn the center position in a quickness. Oh, and then have to go start while doing that. Um, and now you have a, you're in a position to where Daniel Brunskill could be similar to 2019, which if he doesn't have a home, I'm okay with it this way. If you need someone to spark, spot start at right tackle, Brunskill. If you need someone to spot start at guard, Brunskill. If you need someone to spot start at center, Brunskill. That's it's think of baseball in like a utility man to where the utility man can play outfield, can play infield, um, could play the corners on the infield. So that's what I like to think about Daniel Brunskill. And that's what also gets me excited is the depth that they seem to have a little more behind it. Jalon Moore that they selected as well from Central Michigan, Joe Staley's alma mater. Kids pretty athletic, pretty good. Does, didn't face the, the top tier talent over there in the in the MAC, but man, the, the kid has some skills. And then we're also talking about say that that final spot. So they usually carry about eight spots. I just listed you know the seven spots. So now you're gonna have competition, true competition to make this roster and not say Tom Compton get settled to to make the roster. Like Justin School and, and Colton McKivitz are gonna have to battle it out for that eight spot. Sean Coleman's gonna have to battle it out for that eight spot. Um I I kinda like Alfredo Gutierrez who they got from Mexico. So it's 
you know, he's going to have to battle it out for the eighth spot. Dakota Shepley, I think he was really good in the Canadian Football League. He's going to be another guy who's going to have to battle it out. So I, I think they're pretty deep as well. They're just not as talked about because it's, let's be honest, it's not as flashy as sacking the quarterback. Absolutely. And the thing is, is you look at this offensive line and no matter who the quarterback is, they're going to have a lot more time to throw the ball this year. And I think that's one of the most exciting things about it is that, you know, Kyle's going to be able to get in his bag and do his thing. And these guys are going to stand there and block as long as they can. And I think they're going to be able to go against, you know, high quality talent on the defensive on the defensive tackles. I think that, you know, when you play the Bears, you're going to see Khalil Mack. And that's always scary because Khalil Mack is so good. And I think that you know, I have the faith, obviously, if they're healthy, that this offensive line, you know, will be able to protect whoever the quarterback is. And I think that I think you just hit the number two draft pick overall as well. I think you guys have both have nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Now it comes down to me having to nail this. This one's hard uh, because I think you guys hit the two best. But I'm going to go with the running backs. I think that the third pick would be running backs. I think when, you know, we talk about Raheem Mostert, you know, I've said that, you know, maybe he doesn't come back, but if he does come back, he's one of the fastest players in the NFL. Then you also have Trey Sermon, and I think a lot of people are maybe, like, overlooking just how good Trey Sermon is. You watch that film, he's dynamic. He makes cuts. Even when he was at Oklahoma, he was awesome. And then he goes to Ohio State, and, I mean, I think he ran for 400 freaking yards on Clemson defense, and you don't do that unless you're good. Like, that just doesn't happen. And then you also have Jeff freaking Wilson, who has been Mr. Clutch the whole time he's been in San Francisco. Yes, he's been hurt, but I remember 2019, he caught that ball to beat Arizona. Man, it was, that, it was the one thing they needed, and he was right there to do it. He's just been, he's been good. He's tough. This running back core, as constructed, is so talented and so good, especially when we talk about what you just talked about, Leo, how good this offensive line is. And so you look at this offensive line and their ability to block. I think that these guys are going to have field days. The 49ers are going to run the ball down everybody's throat, whether it's with the running backs, with the quarterback, whatever it is, they're going to run the ball down people's throats and there's nothing anybody can do to stop them. And I'm very excited for that smash mouth in your face. We're coming for you, Seattle, LA and Arizona type of football. I have a fun one here and Nate, I, I think you're going to love it. I'm just going to add in an, an extra position group. Okay, As go for the it. roster is constructed right now. Quarterbacks. That's where I was. It, Jimmy, it was between running back and quarterback for me. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, look, like, granted, when he's on the field, they tend to win a lot more games because you don't have Nick Mullins out there choking them. You don't have C.J. Beathard out there choking him. He could at least manage a game to where they, they win uh, more than they lose. And then Trey Lance. You're talking about whether either one of these guys are QB1, QB2. If you match them against the rest of the league for QB1, QB2, I think, you know, they're they're sitting pretty well. So I, I know a lot of people were probably thinking, oh, like, huh, I know how Nate is with Jimmy Garoppolo, so they're not going to say quarterbacks. No, let, let's put no, some respect on, uh, on Jimmy Garoppolo's name and Trey Lance's name and say quarterback should be in the mix as well. You didn't even mention the greatest player on the roster, Josh Rosen, bro. I mean, Josh, <laughs> Josh Rosen is taking this team to the chip. We all know this. Oh. That 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 was That's the ultimate smokescreen was drafting Trey Lance because really he's QB three, Josh Rosen QB one. We all know how this is. Oh no, 
Uh, <laughs> please don't take that as serious, everyone. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I, I do agree with you, Leo. Like, I think that this team's quarterback situation is really good. You know, whether Jimmy Garoppolo starts or Trey Lance starts, I think you have a tremendous NFL starting quarterback uh, who, who knows how to run this offense and is, is, has shown that they can win in this league. Um, and if Trey Lance is even better than Jimmy Garoppolo, which we, we don't actually know yet, we hope he is, right? They have, you know, a guy who can literally be a game changer in this league. And so having, even if Jimmy Garoppolo is just his backup, the ability for if Trey Lance gets hurt to have a guy who knows how to win in this league is a huge deal, especially when you are a team that has the aspirations the 49ers have and a team that is as constructed as well as this is. I think that there's a couple more groups we could talk about as the best, but we have to talk about the worst. So, Luke, you get to go first again. Who is your number one pick for the worst position group on the San Francisco 49ers for this year? Okay, here's the difficulty for me with this. I've said this on Twitter. I've said this on my podcast. I don't believe that there is necessarily a weak group on the 49ers. I don't believe there is a bad group on the no, 49ers. No, they're bad. It's, I think yeah. weak is, is more what you're trying. I think weak is what we're more going for. Like thin. the weaker. Stay thin. Say thin. thin. The, the thin. Yeah, we'll do that. So the thin. This is a great league. This is a, first of all, real quick. This is a tremendous constructed roster. Like this is a yes. great football team. This is one of the best rosters in the NFL. That's why we're doing this. Cause we can talk about the best. It's super fun. Being critical and the ability to look at the worst parts of the team is really important in, you know, an NFL GM's, you know, career. So go for it, Luke. What do you think is the thinnest part of the San Francisco 49ers for this season? So when I go for thinnest, and and I think it, it can be level with a couple of other groups, I'm going to go with this group because it has the least experience and the biggest unknowns. And for that reason, I'm going with cornerbacks. Because I, and don't get me wrong, I love me some Jason Verrett. I absolutely believe when Jason Verrett, as we've seen last year, shut down corner, you know, Pro Bowl status cornerback. He has also had one healthy season in the last, what, four or five years? He's had few healthy seasons in the NFL. Very few compared to the seasons where he's been injured. If he is healthy, absolutely cornerback number one on this roster. Deservedly one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Behind that... I mean, starting right corner, probably what, Emmanuel Mosley? I like Emmanuel Mosley a lot. I think he is a starting caliber cornerback in this league. However, I don't put him as one of the top 15 starting cornerbacks in this league necessarily. I don't think he is, you know, uh, an area where they couldn't improve on. I think he's a good starting cornerback in this league, not, you know, uh, somebody that blows your mind. Behind that is just a lot of unknowns. I think Ambry Thomas will be a very good cornerback. I think D'Amador Lenoir will be a very good cornerback. I don't know. I don't know if they will be. And just like I was talking about earlier with known commodities versus unknown commodities, they are still currently unknown commodities. We don't know how good they will be based off of the clip that we saw of D'Amador Lenoir in practice locking down Austin Watkins Jr. They've never played an NFL snap. So we just have no idea yet. That, for me, is why I'm, I'm putting this group as one of the thinnest ones in the class. And then, again, mainstay of the 49ers roster, Dante Johnson. Like, <laughs> we know what he is. It, you know, he's going to be on this roster long after I'm dead. I'm 25 <laughs> years old. 
Dante Johnson will be here until the end of time when the sun eventually burns out. He'll be the last thing in in this solar system is just Dante <laughs> Johnson for the 49ers. But we just uh, we know what they have in yeah. certain spots, and there's only one person in that group where I say he is an absolute win, if, and it's only if he can stay healthy, and that's Jason Barrett. And then just in the other spots, it's, it's question marks a little bit. So I have that as as my pick for the thinnest group in this roster, which is a pretty good spot to be in if the thinnest group in this roster still has a lot of talent on it. I, that's that's why one of the reasons I really want Richard Sherman on this team, and I understand like same, people are same. Like, he's probably not going to start. Well, I don't think it matters if he starts. It's just having that veteran presence. And if someone one of these guys goes down, Richard Sherman, I don't think is washed like everyone seems to think. Like yes, there's certain things he cannot play man. It's just not possible. But if they put him in cover three, he's still smarter than every wide receiver in this league. And so bringing him on this team is smart. I think that they are working on a contract. I think that they're trying to figure out the best way to make it accommodated to his skills. And I think that they are going to resign Richard Richard Sherman here one of these days. But I think that um, you hit the nail on the head. That's the number one spot. It has to be corner. Like, I love me some, some Jason Verrett. I love what he does for the team. But I think that behind that, you're not dealing with tremendous cornerbacks. You're dealing with an Emmanuel Mosley who's talented, Dante Johnson, Ambry Thomas could literally be anybody, and the defensive back from Oregon could totally be anybody as well. And so that's the thing is it's, there's a lot of question marks, but, I mean, you still have one of the best corners in the league in Jason Verrett, I think. And so there's, anything's possible there. All right, Leo, you got the second pick. Where are you going? Real quick, it was uh, cornerbacks for you, correct? Not DBs. That is correct. I chose cornerbacks okay. specifically. Okay, got it. And I think if Richard Sherman is signed, I don't. I'm not sure that happens, but if he is, I think he'll definitely start over Emmanuel Mosley. Um, let's be a little more open minded about that. I think he was hurt last year. My position, what I'm going to say is the thinnest. I'm going to stick on the defensive side, so I'm going to give Nate a layup for when he makes his selection. My thinnest is going to be the inside linebackers. What happens if Fred goes down? You're going to have Dre Greenlaw, who's nowhere near the level Fred is, especially in pass coverage. Um, and then who, who's going to come in for, for Fred? Aziz Alshair? He's a cool reserve. <laughs> I don't know if you want him starting at inside linebacker. Uh, they have Jonas Griffith that they signed last year as an unrestricted free agent. Uh, Demetrius Flanning Foles, which we haven't really seen significant snaps from him in an NFL game, not a preseason game, NFL regular season game. Uh, so I think there's even more question marks at inside linebacker if you just erase uh, Fred Warner from that spot and, and trying to fill that void. I think there's upgrades that Drake Greenlaw can do uh, as uh, as an inside linebacker, I would say like Drake Greenlaw would be my Emmanuel Mosley per se. If we're talking about like cornerbacks and, and comparing and contrasting, I would say Drake Greenlaw will be my Emmanuel Mosley in in that fathom. So I, I obviously when you have Fred there as your Mike linebacker, it's going to be a really really good core. But if we're talking about how thin and and talking about the depth. Okay, let's look beyond Fred at that position, and there's there's really nothing that you're gonna go home about. Yeah, I think people who don't like avidly watch film kind of uh, don't realize just how 
don't, I don't think he's terrible. I don't think Dre Greenlaw is terrible. That's not what I'm, that's we're, not what I'm we're just saying. Like he's him and Fred. Like they're not in the same sentence. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I don't think he's terrible. I'm just saying he's not as good as Fred Warner. And I, I think that there's some people who think that this is the best linebacking core in the NFL. Like when it comes to those two, I don't think that's true. I think Fred is the best linebacker in the NFL, but the guy next to him is not as good as any of the guys in Tampa Bay. You know. Like, the, it's just the facts. Like, I love Dre Greenlaw. I like what he's done. I think that he's fine on this roster. You know, he's started a lot of games. He's been healthy. It's fine. But he's definitely not the amazing linebacker that some of 49ers Twitter seems to think he is. And I think that's something we need to come to terms with. Like, he's not K.J. Wright in, in Seattle. No. He's, in the, he's not, that's well, he's not like, what K.J. Wright was. K.J. I, Wright. I, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll still give Dre Greenlaw a second contract. I, th- I think he's a starter in this league, and he's a fine starter in this league. You could have a whole lot worse if you you know gamble on it, and he shouldn't be too expensive. So I'll definitely give him a second contract. But just from the, the stakes of not having Fred Warner in that inside linebacking group, it is really freaking thin. Dre Greenlaw is a guy who had a good rookie year especially comparative to his draft position and had one of the better highlights in recent 49ers memory and also has flaws. That's what he is. There's a tendency, especially amongst 49ers fans and especially like we love our late round draft pick guys. We love the underdog story in, in Santa Clara. So it's like, Oh, Dre Greenlaw such a badass. He's one of the better linebackers in this league. No, not necessarily. That doesn't mean he's bad though. He can just be an average starter in this league, and that's totally fine. There's a lot of emotional attachment with Greenlaw because he was a bright spot in a bad year, and again, he had a great highlight. So let's recognize that and also recognize that, yeah, he if he's the head of your linebacking core, you got a problem. I think we, we talk about how good Fred is so much, and he is. He's the best linebacker in the NFL. He's phenomenal. They need to pay him every you know any day they can, find that way to get that money to him. But at the same time, like, I think he does make Drake Greenlaw better than he actually is. And I think that that's not something to overlook when you talk about the 49ers. And I, and I, don't, I don't think there's a problem with that. I think that's fine. Um, my pick, this is a layup. Like you said, this is easy. And I think maybe, Luke, you might even disagree with me on this one so we can talk about it. I think it's the wide receivers. I think that I love Brandon Ayuk. I think he's the future of wide receiver at the 49ers. He's going to be here for a long, long time. He's super talented. What he does on the field is, I think, what we thought Michael Crabtree was going to be when he came to San Francisco. We thought this would be him. And Crabtree had a couple good years, but he was, I don't think he was this good ever as, as Ayuk showed last year. He was never that good. And Ayuk is actually that good. And then Debo Samuel, ideally, in a world where Jimmy Garoppolo isn't the quarterback. Going forward, what they would do is they would use him less like a running back and they would be able to really use his big body um, and use him as the wide receiver he should be used for. And I really like that for the 49ers. But behind that is where I get a little sketchy. I like Misa Mohamed Sanu. He's fine. He's whatever. It seems like the players like him, but he's not going to play a lot of snaps on this team. I like me River Craycraft. I think he's a good dude. He went to Washington State, the Cougars. I used to live around there. Good dude, right? Richie James, uh, our buddy Kyle Berkowitz, thinks he's the best player in the NFL. I think he's joking about it most of the time. Sometimes I think he's not. He's fine. He had that really good game against uh, Green Bay and why I think that he is actually the real wide receiver three of this team right now. 
and I still want Jalen Hurd to be great. Like, I really want to see what Jalen Hurd can do. But let's be honest here. He's been hurt two years, and he's played a couple preseason games, and that's it. And so as much as hype as I have for Jalen Hurd on this football team, I'm not going to put all my eggs in the Jalen Hurd basket to be wide receiver three or be on this team and be tremendous. That's why we had the Julio Jones talk we had at the beginning of this show. You know, the Niners have a wide receiver problem outside of the two top, top two guys. The rest of the guys are fine. But I think that people don't understand truly how bad it's going to be to replace what Kendrick Bourne did for this team. And yes, I understand he was an undrafted free agent, whatever. But Kendrick Bourne did a lot for this football team. And people need to stop overlooking that. And as Richie James can come in and fill that spot, great. But I don't think he can. And I don't think Jalen Hurd's going to be able to. And I'd love Jalen Hurd to prove me wrong. But the reason we're having this Julio Jones discussion is because after the first two guys, this team is pretty thin. I actually don't disagree with you. Um, I think that it, here's the thing is I think that this wide receiving core could be really good, but also like you're betting on guys that you don't know what they are yet for them to be really good. So I don't think it's incorrect at all to say that this is one of the thinnest groups on this roster or the third thinnest group, especially because like you said, like Kendrick Bourne's loss does get overlooked. And I think it's because people, instead of going, Oh shit, Kendrick Bourne is good. Kendrick Bourne is a good football player. They're going, wow, look what Kyle Shanahan did with an undrafted free agent. There is a reason that Kendrick Bourne got $15 million from the Patriots. And it's because he is a talented football player. And you're right. We have two sure things in terms of talent with the top two guys on this roster. We don't know if Debo Samuel can stay healthy. He doesn't play in a sustainable way with the way that they've been playing him right now, like you said, almost as a quasi-running back. So that does put a lot of strain on this team. I'm very, very big on Austin Watkins Jr. from UAB. Shout out to Javi Vega from 49ers Goldmine for being on that train before anybody was. I'm very big on him. But also, like, there's no guarantee that he will even be a Kendrick Bourne in this league. You know, so I that's one of the reasons why I'm a big proponent of the Julio Jones trade is because then you move from two pretty sure things to three pretty sure things one of the pretty sure things being maybe the best wide receiver of the NFL of the last decade. So there, there's just a, a couple too many question marks for me to be like, oh, yeah, the wide receiving group is strong. They could totally prove me wrong after this year. Jalen Hurd come, could come back and, you know, kill it out there like we saw him do against the Cowboys in that preseason game. But that's all he's shown us in three years. That's a dangerous place to be for an NFL team with your wide receiving core. Doesn't matter if you have Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I could have very, very easily said wide receiver core, but I wanted to give uh, that layup for Nate there. But yeah, Brandon Ayuk, Diego Samuel, great. Richie James, can he step up to a wide receiver three? We'll know. Mohamed Sanu, does he have gas left in the tank? Trent Sherfield, well, he's a special teamer. Jalen Hurd, can he stay healthy? Robert Craycraft, is he an NFL player? Juwan Jennings. Is he an NFL player? Kevin White, is he an NFL player, even though he was a former top five pick in the draft? Travis Benjamin, does he have anything left in the tank? Austin Watkins Jr., undrafted free agent, and like Luke said, he's not going to be Kendrick Bourne from day one, something he would have to grow into if he gets there. Benny Fowler, is he still a service NFL player? 
we don't know. So after after the top two guys, that's that's kind of why I'm just like, uh, yeah, go get Julio Jones. Just go do it because then it's it's real thin. One if Debo Samuel has a hamstring that acts up and he misses two three games, now we're left with Brandon Ayuk and the crew. Essentially, Brandon what it would Brandon Ayuk in the band, Brandon Ayuk and the guys, like whatever you want to call it. It's basically Brandon Ayuk, and then everyone else is just behind him doing whatever they do. Uh, so it's go get Julio Jones. <laughs> just like yeah. looking at the death. Go get Julio Jones. I mean, you don't want to be starting River Craycraft in NFL games again. I'll be very happy for River Craycraft if he's happy on this for roster. Him. Yeah, yeah, I'll be stoked for him. I like the guy. I don't want him as a starting wide receiver in this league, though. That was the biggest thing as you were going through that list. It's like if you're asking, are they an NFL guy, about the majority of players on this team, I will be happy for each and every one of them if they are on this roster and prove to be a serviceable NFL player. I will not be happy for my team if any one of those guys is thrust into the starting role because not everybody is meant to be. I think that there is... One final argument before we close this thing. The one thing the 49ers have that a lot of other NFL teams do not have, minus the Kansas City Chiefs, is no matter who the wide receiver is, Kyle Shanahan is going to get them open no matter who they are. No matter how scrubby they are, no matter off of the you know off the street they are, Kyle Shanahan is going to get them open at some point in the game. And that's one thing we have to be thankful for is the fact that we have Kyle Shanahan who could get people open – literally no matter who they are. He could get you open, Luke. He could do it. I guarantee you, Kyle Shanahan could get you open, Luke. I'm getting 20 tutties a season, honestly, with Kyle Shanahan. I don't care. I'm very unathletic. I'm very bad at sports, but I believe in Kyle. I wish you could get George Kittle 20 tutties. Oh, same. (laughs) Uh, Luke, if they want to check out your stuff, how can they do it? Uh, so you can check me out on Twitter at BayLuke underscore. That is my personal at. I tweet a lot of nonsense on there. Be prepared. But I also tweet Warriors, Giants, 49ers, all Bay Area sports, pretty much everything sports related. You can also find me at my podcast at Blow the Whistle P. We cover all Bay Area sports. We cover 49ers. We cover Giants. We cover Warriors, Oakland A's, San Jose Sharks, everything about it. Uh, we love Getting to getting to talk to new people, we love getting new uh, new listeners, new followers, everything like that. So come either follow me there at Blow the Whistle P for the podcast or my personal account at BayLuke underscore Leone. I want to thank you guys both very very much for having me, Niners Nation. Thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, I've listened to your podcast for years now. I used to be in your comments quite a few years ago uh, before I even started a podcast or anything like that. So I appreciate it very very much. This is a big moment for me. Uh, I really appreciate your guys' time. Thank you. Of course, Luke. I have a quick question for you before we leave. If they become the Las Vegas A's, will you still cover them on your podcast? Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> we we didn't cover the Raiders for the same thing. That's why we don't talk about the Raiders anymore. Y'all not Leo, from the Bay? Y'all not from the Bay anymore? Come on, get out of here. <laughs> Leo, if they want to check out your stuff, how can they do it? Well, they know what to check me out. Um, I would like to promote something different this time. It's uh, for anyone that has any type of mental instability, anxiety, uh, whatever it may be, you know, find somebody to talk to. My DMs are open, Um, whatever it may be, friends, family. Like I said, my DMs are open. Gladly, you know, chat to somebody if they're if they're 
experience any type of mental instability it's it's definitely big and i'd like to make some you know awareness because you never know who's going through it or when they're going through it so uh it may take me a couple hours to respond like like nate knows but uh, i'll definitely get to it he actually responds to you he responds to you more he responds to me uh (laughs) i am gonna ditto that as well though i appreciate you saying that leo it is mental health awareness month as well so I appreciate you saying totally. that, and ditto for me. My DMs are open. Hit me up. Yeah, you never know what people are going through. I've had those times before. Uh, you want to check me out at 9849. You can message me about anything. I'm going to try back to message you back. Uh, sometimes my DMs become trash, but hey, if you want to talk about something, you're always welcome to hit me up. Uh, me and Leo, we do uh, live shows every Tuesday and Thursday, 3.30 on 49ers Goldmine. And uh, make sure you like, subscribe, Check out all the other Nine Nation podcasts. Check out Rob Stats Guerrera. He's a great dude. I really love him, and I appreciate him for letting us do this every week. We will see you next week. We'll be one week closer to the NFL season. Have a good week. 